Broadcasting live from the North Fulton Business Radio X studio, it's time for To Your Health with Dr. Jim Morrow. To Your Health is brought to you by Morrow Family Medicine, an award-winning primary care practice, which brings the care back to health care. Welcome back to To Your Health with Dr. Jim Morrow. That's me. I'm Jim Morrow. I'm a family physician in Cumming, Georgia, with offices in Cumming and Milton, Morrow Family Medicine, bringing the care back to health care. We are blessed and have been blessed to have people allow us to participate in their health care and be a part of their lives and watch their families grow up and so forth. And it's just a, a wonderful thing. We're very happy that you'll let us do that. And we're happy that you'll tune in and listen to what I have to say and sometimes a guest has to say about important topics. And in speaking about important topics, uh, I will refer you to episode 26. Last time we talked about the coronavirus, and the coronavirus is still a very real thing. I can promise you we don't have a great handle on exactly what it's going to do, but it's going to do something, and you need to be paying attention to the coronavirus. There's a lot of great information on episode 26 about the coronavirus. But today, as promised last time, we're going to talk about sleep, the importance of sleep, because I can promise you that sleep is very, very important. There are two types of people in the world. They're sleepers and they're non-sleepers. And if you're a non-sleeper, you need to do whatever you have to do to become a sleeper, because sleep is an incredibly important commodity. You need to get all you can get. So I encourage you to go out and get started on better sleep if you are not getting the sleep that you need. So nearly 40 million Americans suffer from some sort of sleep disorder, some sort of problem with their sleep. Growing older, which I'm doing, is often accompanied by normal, quote-unquote, changes in people's sleeping patterns. They might get sleepy earlier, they might wake up earlier, and they might have less deep sleep. They might have more interrupted sleep and so forth. So there are a lot of problems that can be associated with that. We're going to talk about a lot of these. So that means that more than 40 million people are waking up tired every day and experiencing other kind of problems that are related to not getting enough sleep. And if you are in the Atlanta area like I am, where I'm, we're right here, I didn't even say this, we're here on Windward Parkway in Alpharetta, Georgia, in the Renaissance Bank, the North Fulton Business Radio X studio, and I'm here with my cohort, John Ray. John's always here with me. Hey, John. Good morning. Sorry I didn't do that at the beginning. I got all excited about the coronavirus. I know you were all spreading the word, pardon the pun. <laughs> As opposed to the virus. <laughs> right. Good. Well, I, that's better. That's better. Right. It is. But uh, if, in talking about sleep, if, you are, if you're not one of those people that's getting enough sleep, you need to do whatever it takes so that you can do that. It's long been known that sleep affects people's hormones, their mood, their, their ability to think clearly, and even their ability to maintain a healthy weight. Now, a lot of people would think that even the more you sleep, the more you're going to weigh, and it's just not true because the more rest you have, the higher your metabolic rate might be, and also it can help to control your appetite if you're not sleeping if if you're sleeping plenty, you can help to control your appetite. So that's a very important thing also. On the average, Americans report two nights a week of insufficient sleep. That's about 40% of Americans getting six hours of sleep a day or less. So if you're not 
getting the sleep you need. Let's talk about what kind of problems you may have. We'll talk about what kind of problems you might develop. And we'll talk about what you can do to try to get better sleep. So if you look at sleep as a disorder, because it is, insomnia as a disorder, one of the many, there are several key sleep disorders we're going to talk about. The first one is straight-up insomnia. Insomnia is characterized by an inability to initiate or maintain sleep. That's a textbook definition. I'm not crazy about textbook definitions because most of my patients have not read the textbook and they don't follow the definitions. But that's what insomnia is. It's an inability to maintain or initiate sleep. And that's pretty straightforward. You can't get to sleep or you can't stay asleep. And those are the two types of insomniacs. But it can also take the form of early morning awakening. You know, you just wake up earlier than you want to and you're not able to get the number of hours that you would like to, you can't go back to sleep. The other, in having trouble starting to sleep, getting to sleep, can often be manifested as excessive daytime sleepiness. And that's a fairly common term that we throw around in medicine, and there's some actual diagnoses that go along with it. But this basically results in a functional impairment throughout the day. And if you're driving around here in Atlanta, where we are, and I was going to say this a minute ago, and I guess I haven't been getting enough sleep because I forgot to say it. If you're driving around Atlanta, a lot of the people, 40% of those people around you, have not had enough sleep. And if that doesn't scare you, I don't know what would because it's bad enough if they're wide awake. But if they're having excessive daytime sleepiness, it's a major problem, and you got to look out for people. But before you get to a diagnosis of primary insomnia, you got to see your health care provider, see your doctor, hopefully a family doctor, and rule out other things that can cause this kind of problem. You, it might be medication you're taking. It can be substance abuse. It can be depression. And it can even be some undetected illness that you have that you just don't know about. It's not always just that you're not sleeping. It can be a thyroid disorder. It can be diabetes. It can be a lot of things. So you need to see someone and have other things ruled out before you just say, well, you're just not a sleeper. And then there's chronic psychophysiologic insomnia. And that's a a learned or a conditioned behavior that happens usually from stresses in your life. And it can be combined with a fear of being unable to sleep. Now, if that's not a catch-22 in a vicious circle, I don't know what is. If you're not sleeping and you're afraid you're not going to be able to sleep and that keeps you from sleeping, you are really in trouble. So you, you have to work on these things. You have to identify them first and then find a way to make them better. People with this condition, interestingly, sleep better when they're not in their own beds. And I think that's a a very interesting thing. It's not something I typically ask patients, but I think I'm going to start to see if they have better sleep when they're outside of their usual environment. Now, you can treat this kind of chronic insomnia with the usual uh, sedative hypnotics, they're called the sleeping pills. Think about Ambien, Restoril, uh, back in the old days, Dalmain, uh, there are several of them, Sonata, Halcyon, there's a bunch of them. And they all have a certain impact on you, the end result of which is to make you sleep. But it's you're going to find that they are not for everybody. Uh, Ambien has the uh, notorious reputation of people taking Ambien and waking up at Dunkin' Donuts, for example. And a lot of that's got to do with when you take it and how you take it. So it's important to take it right, and that's not what we're talking about today. But it is important for you to know that if you're taking something for sleep, you have to take it exactly as you're told to take it. 
And then the other group of meds that we use for that is typically the sedating antidepressants. These are antidepressants that are quite old medications. They're very old medications, and they're really terrible for depression, but they're really good for sleep because they really will help you sleep, and they're not going to make you wake up at Dunkin' Donuts. Not that waking up in a donut shop is a terrible thing. Right, I think that's a bad, that's a good thing sometimes. So another form of sleep trouble is narcolepsy. Now narcolepsy is sort of the opposite of insomnia. Uh, in narcolepsy, this is excessive daytime sleepiness, and is combined usually with a sudden muscle weakness. And these are hallmarks of narcolepsy. And if you've seen movies where people had narcolepsy, they'll be talking to you, and then boom, they're asleep. Uh, the biggest problem with narcolepsy is getting back to the highways. It has to do with driving, going to sleep when you're driving. But the episodes of narcolepsy have been described as sleep attacks. And you do see narcolepsy in more people, more often in people who are having trouble sleeping when they want to sleep. So that's an important thing to keep in mind as well. Another thing that can keep you awake at night is restless leg syndrome. We could do an entire, and we may very well do an entire episode on restless leg syndrome. It is very, very common. Usually it's fairly mild, but it can be bad enough that people are unable to sleep well because of it. Restless leg syndrome is an unpleasant, creepy sensation in the legs typically um, that feels like it originates in the lower legs, but it obviously also often is associated with pain throughout the legs, not just in the lower legs. It's where your brain is basically sending a signal to your muscles to move at a time when you're not really wanting it to. So if you don't move, it becomes very uncomfortable and it can keep you awake. And a lot of people will just lay in bed and just move their foot back and forth and back and forth and back and forth to keep this nerve impulse at bay so that it doesn't bother them. And that's very difficult to sleep, too, if you're sitting there moving your leg like that. I had a patient about 15 years ago who told me that she went through a bed sheet, wore a hole in the bed in the sheet by moving her foot back and forth so much. seems to me you'd get a blister doing that, but that's what she said she had had happen. And then there's sleep apnea, and sleep apnea keeps you from resting more than it keeps you from sleeping. So if you think about sleep apnea, the problem with sleep apnea, and I refer you to the episode on sleep apnea, but if you're talking about sleep apnea, the problem is your brain wakes up and you never get restful sleep. So most people that have sleep apnea go to bed at night, put their head on the pillow, and they are out for the night, but they're not resting. So when they wake up in the morning, they feel as if they've had an hour and a half of sleep, if that. So that's a problem as well. And you can treat that with a variety of things. I'm not going to rehash that because I would love for you to go back and listen to the episode on sleep apnea. And then there's chronic diseases that cause problems with, with sleep. Certainly chronic pain is one of the ones that comes to mind first. People who have chronic pain invariably have pain that will sometimes be worse when they lay down, when they get flat, when they start trying to sleep, when they're not distracted and that kind of thing. So that can make the pain worse. So chronic conditions like that can absolutely have an impact on your sleep. Now, other than just being tired, because frankly, nobody ever died from being tired. You die from the things that happen when you're tired or the things that being tired causes. And other than being tired, the problem with not getting enough sleep is it absolutely causes worsening of conditions and even the creation of some chronic conditions that people have to deal with on a regular basis. So if you think about sleep, let's say not enough sleeps less than seven hours and enough sleeps more than seven hours. 
if you look at people with heart attack, people who don't get enough sleep, half again as many people have heart attacks in that group of people that don't sleep well. That's a 50% increase. That's a lot. A third more people have heart disease, not just heart attacks, but heart disease in general, when they're not sleeping enough. Asthma rates go up 40% if you're not sleeping well. And don't ask me to explain that because there's a lot about medicine I can't explain, and that is absolutely one of them. The, the asthma thing is absolutely one. Chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, COPD, the rates are double almost if you're not getting enough rest. And, and the reason for that is exactly that. The reason is rest. It's not just sleep because like with sleep apnea, you can sleep all night and not rest. It's about getting plenty of rest, giving your body a chance to repair and rejuvenate and rebuild. And if you don't do that, these rates are higher. Arthritis rates are 40% higher in people that don't sleep well. Now, this one's no shock whatsoever, but depression is over 50% more common in people that don't sleep well. Now, the only problem with that is cause and effect because depression makes you not sleep well and not sleeping well can make you depressed. So I'm not sure which comes first there, but the rates are still over 50% more in people that don't sleep well. And then diabetes rates, and I'm pretty sure that relates to obesity, are 40% higher in people who don't sleep well. So what are we going to do to sleep better? Well, I'm going to tell you that right after I tell you this. Mara Family Medicine has two locations, one in Cumming, Georgia, one in Milton, Georgia. We've been in business in, as Mara Family Medicine since 2011. I've been practicing medicine in the area since 1998 and have just been overly blessed by people wanting us to be involved in their health care. And we started this practice with the tagline, bringing care back to health care. Because if you've been to many primary care offices, family practice offices, or medical offices in general, you've seen a ton of bad attitude. You've seen a ton of people not really interested in helping, not really interested in listening. And I'm willing to tell you that you're not going to find that at Mara Family Medicine. And what I tell everybody is if you do find that at Mara Family Medicine, I want to hear about it. And that's why my business card my business card has my email address on it, the only email address I use. And if it's not going the way I've described it and you're a patient at Mara Family Medicine, you send me an email and tell me what happened, and I will fix it or I will make it better in some way because I can't help you and make that better if you don't tell me about it. So it's Mara Family Medicine coming in Milton, Georgia. We hope you'll let us help take care of you. So if one of your problems is not sleeping well, you've got to do something to start sleeping better. And I think every magazine in the world has had an article in it about tips for better sleep. And some of them are so ridiculously nonsensical, I'm not even going to go into them. But, and some of them are so very obvious that you would think you wouldn't have to talk about them, but we're going to do it anyway. So some of the habits that can improve your sleep health are, number one, be consistent. Go to bed at about the same time every night. Get up at about the same time every morning and do that even on the weekends. And I know that can be hard. You want to sleep in. You want to stay out late. If you're, if you're having trouble sleeping, this is really important. Now, if you don't have trouble sleeping, do whatever you want to do. But if you're having trouble sleeping and you're trying to maintain better sleep, this is a very important thing. Be sure that wherever you're sleeping, 
is quiet, dark, relaxing, and it's at a comfortable temperature, and that's usually a cooler temperature because you, I promise you, you're going to sleep better in a cooler room with blankets than you are in a warmer room with nothing. Get rid of your devices before you go to bed. Don't have them in the bedroom. It'd be better if you're having trouble sleeping. It'd be better if you weren't even using your devices and screens and so forth for an hour or more before the time to go to bed. But certainly in the bedroom, you don't want televisions, computers, smartphones, and so forth. They're stimulating beyond belief, and this is a problem for you if you have trouble sleeping. Don't eat a big meal before you go to bed. Now, that's one of the things that sounds pretty obvious because when your stomach's full, it's just not easy to get comfortable and relaxed. Avoid caffeine before you go to bed. Certainly, I would say if you're having trouble sleeping, I'd avoid caffeine, period. But I would absolutely avoid it after dinner time. I wanted to say supper because I'm from the South, but I went with dinner time because I'm on you know the radio doing a podcast. i got to be all that. I understood but what you said. I know you. I know you did because you're a redneck too. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I, I really wanted to say after supper. I think I should be able to say after supper. I think you should avoid alcohol, and that sounds counterintuitive because everybody knows if you drink a fair amount, you're going to be sleepy. But it will mess with your sleep cycle, and you need to avoid alcohol in excess. Period. A little bit of alcohol is okay, but avoid it before bedtime. You'll be glad you did. Get some exercise. Pick them up once in a while. Move around. Do something. Be physically active during the day, and you're going to be a whole lot more likely to be able to fall asleep when you want to at night. But you're still not going to be able to fall asleep all the time at night because you're an insomniac. You're not a sleeper. So what are you going to do if you can't sleep? Other than the things I've already mentioned, you want to, you want to try to keep a sleep diary. And a lot of people are going to hear that and they're going to go, I'm not keeping a sleep diary. There's no way on the planet I'm doing that. But it can help you. And if you do that, it can help you, especially when you go to the physician and you say, look, I'm not a sleeper. And here's what I've written down about my sleep problems and what happens when I try to go to bed. So including your diary, when you go to bed, when you feel like you go to sleep, and that's really a hard thing to, to know. You might know the last time you looked at the clock, it was one eleven but you really don't know which one to sleep, but about when you went to sleep, when you wake up, when after that you get out of bed. A lot of people will wake up in the morning and they don't get out of bed right away if they don't have to. I'm pretty certain if I didn't absolutely have to, I'd stay in bed a little bit. When you take naps, when you exercise, and then getting back to things you drink, when you have alcohol and when you have caffeine. And put those things in a diary and bring that with you when you come to Mara Family Medicine to talk to us about your problem sleeping. And it can help us make it better more easily without various and assorted other things that we try to do. And we might be able to get right down to the, the root of the problem. If you're, fine, if, you're, if you're drinking green tea, for example, I drank green tea for years and it wasn't until the last couple that I realized they had caffeine. And I thought that was doing a great thing. And I looked at the label and it's talking about having eight, 18 grams of caffeine in it. So you might think you're doing a good thing, but if you don't know for certain, it might be a bad thing. So then when you finally get this going in the right direction, 
what are the good things that can happen? Well, better sleep leads without question to better productivity and concentration. And there are very few instances where that's not a good thing. There are several studies out there, some going all the way back to the early 2000s and one from 2015 that show that when you sleep better, you have better concentration, better productivity, better cognition. That means you're thinking better. You're thinking more clearly. You're thinking more quickly. You're able to make decisions, better decisions, more accurate decisions in a more timely fashion. But also you can regulate your calorie intake better when you're sleeping. And I alluded to that at the very beginning. There's evidence that shows that getting a good night's sleep can help you consume fewer calories during the day. And no, John, that doesn't go back to intermittent fasting where you're only awake for eight hours a day. So if you sleep that much, that's not the reason that works. But still, it can work, and you can still consume fewer calories during the day. There was a study in uh, a journal by the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences that says that sleep patterns affect the hormones responsible for appetite. If you can affect, in a good way, the hormone responsible for appetite, you need to do it because – Easily 60 and maybe 80% of the people that I see are overweight or obese. And if there's a way to fix that by sleeping better, then that's a no-brainer to me. We need to be doing that. Everybody needs to be doing that. Greater athletic performance. Everybody that is involved in sports wants to be better at whatever they do. And if you sleep more efficiently and you sleep better, you're going to be better at whatever sport it is you're involved in. And that's important all the way down to peewee football. So we're not talking about just adults and granddaddies like me. We're talking about everybody can benefit in that way by getting more sleep. And some athletes, I've read studies that showed that some athletes need 10 hours a day of sleep. Because if you think about what they're doing, they're not doing what John and I are doing. They're doing very active things. Other benefits, more energy, better coordination. Mental functioning, I mentioned, and it can be better. Even faster speed when you're running and doing things, being quicker. If you think about that, the fact that you're sleeping better can give your muscles an edge, and that's what that's all about. You can lower the risk of heart disease by sleeping better. I mentioned that earlier, and it's it's a, a fact. The CDC has shown that getting adequate rest every night allows your blood pressure to regulate itself, and one of the leading causes of heart disease and vascular disease is abnormal blood pressure. You can have more social and emotional intelligence and better interactions and things like that when when your sleep is improved. Sleep has been linked to both of these things, and we know that, that someone who does not get adequate sleep is much more likely to have issues recognizing other people's emotions and expressions. And so if you're having trouble figuring out when people are upset and when they're not and that kind of thing, think about this. If you're having trouble sleeping, that may be the reason for that. And then preventing depression. I mentioned depression earlier, and I don't think there's any question that people that don't sleep well have a higher rate of that. Inflammation. As you get older, trust me, you're going to have more inflammation. You're going to have aches and pains that you never thought you would have or can't understand why you have. And there's no question that if you're not sleeping enough, your body's not having a chance to repair and recover. And if that's the case, you're going to have more inflammation, and that's going to manifest as joint pain primarily, 
in, in, in some way, and it can be absolutely anywhere. And then the last one is your immune system. People who don't sleep well get sick more often. They might not get major illnesses, but they're going to be in my office more often with an upper respiratory infection or a bladder infection or something because their immune system isn't what it could be if they were sleeping better. So how much sleep do you need? Well, you need a lot, actually. And if you're an infant or a toddler, you need anywhere between 11 and 16 hours a day. If you're in the school ages, you're looking at 9 to 13 hours a day. And if you're an adult, I'm going to say an adult under 65, you need 7 or 8 hours a day. And sometimes adults over 65 can do with a little bit less, but you really need at least 7 hours a day still. And if you're not getting those numbers, you need to do what you have to do to get those numbers. So, Basically, to sum it up, sleep is a, a vital, often overlooked component of your overall health and well-being. And you, you don't need to overlook this. It's an, it's an important thing because it enables your body to repair and be fit and ready for the next day. Because all this rinse and repeat that we do of doing the same things every day will wear you down. It can prevent excess weight gain, prevent heart disease, reduce illness durations. It can be better for you in almost every way. So as I said at the beginning, if you're not a sleeper, you need to do whatever it takes to become a sleeper. And John, that's it. So we need to, uh, you mentioned sleep apnea. We need to refer folks back to our episode on sleep apnea, episode number eight. Uh, they can check that out in our archive if they want more inf- information specifically on sleep apnea. Right. Yeah. Um, so one thing, we've got to call this out, don't we? I mean, we're in a productivity culture, right? That, we are. Yeah. And so that's part of the problem people have, isn't it? It's absolutely part of the problem. They feel like they can't spend time in bed wasting it sleeping, so they got to be go, 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 go all the time. Right. And people think they're more productive because they've got that extra waking time. But what you're saying is you get more sleep and you're more productive in less time. You'll be much more productive over a given period of time than you will if you're up way too early and up way too late. Hmm. That's kind of like going to the dentist or doing anything preventative, right? I mean, people have got to buy into that. They Um, do. Right. They absolutely do. And and I'm like everybody else. I'm not crazy about doing all those things. Sure. But I have learned over the years that I'm a much better organism doing those things than I am if I don't. So we're going to have an episode on the sleep diet coming up. I can see it right now. You, you If you get more sleep, you can lose weight. Dr. Morrow said, right? <laughs> I, refer you, I refer you to Dr. Morrow's guaranteed guide to weight loss. That's, that's the right. only way to lose weight. We're going to get back to that. Yeah, that's right. Just get more sleep. You can lose weight. Eat whatever you want, but that's lose right. weight, right? Works yeah. for me. Works for me. Yeah. We are... We'll have another episode of To Your Health in two weeks. And in two weeks, I'm probably going to be talking to you about tinnitus ringing in the ears because I don't know many people that don't have that. Nobody really understands it well. So we're probably going to talk about tinnitus in two weeks. 
What did you say? You couldn't hear me for the ears ringing. <laughs> right. I, I get it. I can hear it right now. I mean, I can't hear yours, but I can hear mine. I can hear mine. I think I can hear yours too. But Probably. Right. So for now, that is to your health.